Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, January 9th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, as we get into 2019, we're talking about ways to alleviate anxiety with Tonic's wellness editor. We can't change most anxiety-inducing situations, like a work deadline coinciding with a hostile breakup, coinciding with a politics-induced migraine. But there are factors completely within our control that set us up to be our most unshakable selves. Here's Vices on Kita Rao speaking with Tonic editor Raj Punjabi about Tonic's New Year Sanity Checklist. So Raj, it's a new year. A lot of people are heading back to the gym and making their to-do lists. What do you think about that? Well, uh, I'm not really in that new year, new you camp. I think that we are our best selves every single year and we do the best that we can. So with that kind of intention, I think we have to be aware of the baggage that we're bringing in, the stressors that we're bringing into the new year, and then figure out new coping mechanisms and ways we can lower the stress and anxiety in our daily lives. I know nothing about anxiety. Just kidding. I know a lot about anxiety. Um, And I love the way that you talk about it in this piece you did for the magazine. Tell me a little bit about how you approach the piece. The team at Tonic was reflecting on the stressors that get poured into our lives on a daily basis that we can't control. But there are things that we can control. It's the kind of habits and elements of our daily routine that we can change a little bit in order to alleviate symptoms of our anxiety, if we have that, or just stressors in general. I'm skeptical, but I also really want to know what you came up with. I mean, Our stressors are different, right, depending on what kind of job we have, our family situation or whatever. So we try to pick these four kind of mental health tent poles, as we call them, that everybody kind of has in their life and then thought about how we can adjust them in a healthy way. And we got some great advice from psychologist David Klemanski from Ohio State. And anxiety is kind of his thing. So he gave us some really good tips. Like what? So the first one is sleep, right? We all have something to say about our sleep habits, whether it's I'm not getting enough or it's not a good quality of sleep or whatever. So he told us that eight hours is still the standard, right? That too much is not good for you and too little is going to mess you up in in a major way and affect all different parts of your physical and mental health. And if you are one of the many people who are not getting a good quality of sleep or enough, he gave us some tips on how to change our nightly routine so that we could kind of get to a better place when it comes to sleep. One of the tips I liked, and I think the first place to start, is to not go to sleep until you're actually sleepy. I mean, is this something that you do? I'm always tired. (laughs) Okay. Well, tired is different from sleepy, right? So his suggestion is that you should wait until really you're in the right mental state 
to go to sleep. And there are ways to get you there if you're not. He also suggested like a noise machine or something with ambient weather sounds. I I really like rain and it sounds so silly and simple, but it really does put your nervous system in a different place. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah, I love my sound machine. It's probably the best purchase I have bought in the past five years. The noise machines are great. I actually use a free app that has all different types of rain sounds, which are really helpful. And you can kind of go with like city rain or forest rain or whatever it is. And the last thing that I loved that he said was that we should journal before we go to bed. This is really ambitious, but even just jotting down some things you're stressed about to kind of get them off of your chest before you rest at the end of the day. I have not personally tried this one, but I'm working my way up to it. And I think it could really be helpful. He also mentions exercise, which I feel like can both stress you out to think about and also be one of the best de-stressors that I know. And I remember you had written a different piece where you talk about going to bed fully dressed in your workout clothes just so that you'll make sure you work out in the morning. Why is exercise so important for anxiety specifically? Uh, This is my favorite topic to talk about because I don't like to call myself lazy, but for anyone who does have anxiety knows it's really hard to exercise sometimes when you're in that kind of place where you stay safe under the covers or whatever. Even for depression, it's it can be really hard. So he was telling us, and we all know that the mind-body connection is really important, and especially if you have anxiety or depression, it's really important to get some physical activity in. There's the endorphins, there's the discipline aspect, there's the kind of reward you feel after you're done doing any type of exercise, and it's all really, really beneficial. So you would mentioned the way that I sometimes sleep in my gym clothes, and I did write about this. That relates back to what he said about how important it is to remove all roadblocks when it comes to getting yourself to exercise, because if there is anything in the way, you're going to use that as an excuse to not exercise. I should sleep in my sneakers. That's a really fun image. But no, you don't have to do that. But you know what I'm talking about. Just try to remove any obstacles that are in your way. And one of those things is getting ready in the morning for a run when it's cold. So having those things near you or even sleeping your gym clothes, if they're comfortable, That could be a weird way to get yourself to exercise. A tricky thing that I appreciate being addressed in this piece is substances. And we're talking mostly about alcohol and weed, since those are commonly used around anxiety. What's the balance there? What are we looking to do with that? Dr. Klemanski was really talking about using with intention. So reflecting on a drink you have and why you're having that drink or a certain amount of drinks. And if it's something that you can handle and control and it's not a result of your anxiety or depression, that can be fine. But if you feel like you're drinking a lot to escape an uncomfortable situation, it's worthy of reflection and possibly changing that habit or talking to someone about helping you change that habit because that can lead down a very tricky road. And I think that the first thing that comes up when I think about substance use is substance abuse and addiction, but there's a lot of ways we can be addicted to things. And one of them is also being sort of hooked onto our technology, which, as we know, can have some major mental health consequences. How are we supposed to deal with that, given that it's very much a part of our daily lives? Well, again, we have to be realists about that, right? Because we're not going to just shut off our phones at 10 p.m. and things like that. In fact, for a lot of people with anxiety, it can be really relaxing to use certain apps on your phone or even be on social media. So taking all of that into consideration, I think the best advice that he gave would be taking 
what he calls tech vacations. So even if it's for 20 or 30 minutes when you are having a conversation with someone or if you're cleaning the house or whatever it is, just to take some time away from your phone or the laptop, uh, little breaks can be really, really helpful. One thing I think that we have to talk about when we talk about these coping mechanisms is also that anxiety is a mental health illness. And a lot of times these are all awesome tools, but they're not always accessible if you're sick or if you haven't gotten help or the right support. So where does this list fit into sort of the broader issue of mental health disorders like depression and anxiety? Well, I think within every category, there is some mention of talk therapy or the option of going on medication. I think it's really important to know the difference between coping mechanisms and avoiding the type of support that you can get and that could be really useful to you. So for example, when we're talking about substances like weed and alcohol, if we feel like we are abusing these things and it's related to the way that we feel, it'd be really helpful to talk to somebody about it, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and reflect on the possibility that we are self-treating, which can be a tricky road. You're a wellness editor and you wrote this list, so I assume that you're going to try some of these out or you're already trying some of these out. What's your plan for 2019? Well, for me, I think it's important to look at what worked in 2018 and what didn't work in 2018. So that's going to be kind of the way I assess what I do going forward. I worked on my sleep and that was really great. I'm I'm in a good place with that stuff right now, but I could definitely think a little bit more about how much I drink and how much I'm glued to my phone. Um, So I think for everybody it's different, but I'm going to try to do some things in real life in 2019. You can read the full piece at vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.